The Money Show. Small business. The Money Show is brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking, the bravery to imagine and the will to get things done. That's Africanacity. APSA is a registered FSB. He looks familiar, the guy who's trying to log on to Zoom. What is his name again? He used to do small business on the, on the Money Show. Um, Greek guy. Uh, no, not Peter. Uh, Paul. No, not Paul. Ah, uh, what's his name? Pavlo Fatidis. That's who we're looking for. We'll get on with Pavlo in just a moment. He's been busy, as our Pavlo. He's a very busy guy. Still manages to find time when he's got a moment to share his wisdom and his insights with us. And what we're doing with Pavlo is we're building a 100 million rand business, turnover business of 100 million rand. Pavlo tells us it takes 20 years to do this. Um, we've gone through three stages of uh, building um, this, uh, this this business. We're going to ask Pablo to recap it because I've lost track. I'm sure you've lost track as well. And if you've got any questions for Pablo this evening or for Warren Ingram, for anybody else, I mean, the rules are, um, there are no rules other than please WhatsApp us during the show. And uh, if you WhatsApp us on 072-702-1702 and you give us a question, then we go, wow, that's interesting. We hadn't thought of that. Because it is, you know, we need you to spark ideas for us. Um, and if you spark a great idea for us, we will then find an expert to answer your question. It is an offer, free, gratis and for nothing. It does have to pass our um, unique selling proposition, uh, our selection panel, the people who decide whether or not uh, your question is going to have broad general appeal. Very important that it has broad general appeal. Not, my bank has charged me 50 cents too much, find out why. That's, we're not going to be able to do that. This isn't a helpline. That's Wendy Nola's job. We are a bit more broad and, and wide-ranging. Um, so let's build a business worth 100 million rand over 20 years. Pablo Fatidis has been in and out over the last couple of weeks. We headed to level four. But before we get to level four, Pablo Fatidis, can we please refocus on levels one, two, and three? Because I've kind of forgotten where we were. It's like trying to read Harry Potter over a six-month period. Once you lose um, the flow of the narrative, um, you need to go back a little bit and recap. It's always good to recap because when you build a business 200 million rand, Bruce, you're building it in layers, you're building it sequentially, and one foot needs to precede the former step of the next foot. And that's the way we're building it. So the first layer was all about positioning. This is how you answer the question, what makes my business special in the eyes and in the experience of my customer? And what we dealt with over there was talking about the difference between a business that says, hey, I've got the best product, I've got the best service, because everyone who you compete with says, hey, I've got the best product, I've got the best service. So the way to set yourself apart is to position your business by saying, I've got a great product, I've got a great service, but more importantly, I'm going to build a business that is expert at solving problems through a great experience for two or three very well-defined groups of customers. That's what positioning is about. It's about creating an experienced business as opposed to a product or service business. Okay. The next thing, mm -hmm. right, layer two, is about doing that consistently and reliably and doing it without you having to be square and center of every single transaction with every single client. And that's about creating a system of delivery. It's where you, in understanding the experience that needs to be created, build out the systems, the activities that you put into a sequence that can be measured and taught and delegated around how you market the business, how you then 
sell to clients and customers, how you then service them, how you administer them. And that forms the system of delivery, which is layer two. And then finally, the third layer preceding growth is about getting your team on board who have hopefully built these systems with you to lead, grow, innovate, manage, and perform the systems. They bring it to life. And those three elements together put us in a situation last time where 30% of our time was focused on day-to-day, month-to-month activities. 70% of our time was released. And that release in time needs to focus on the fourth layer, which is all about growth. Now, this is absolutely pivotal because without growth, we're standing still. If we're standing still, we're going backwards if effectively. Our competitors are growing. We're not growing. And, and so you've really then got to understand what growth is, what is possible, what is likely, what will test you, what is necessary to achieve to, one, not lose focus of the business because you can grow, 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 grow. And before you know it, you've lost control of your business and you don't know Arthur from Martha anymore in your business. So can we talk to me about layering your growth in a way that you can manage and in a way that is sustainable? Well, you know, what's interesting about growth is is the word is bandied about so often, but without any real, let's call it um, analysis behind what the word means, technical analysis. And there really is value, pretty much like there's value in understanding how a bridge is built or how a building is built from an engineering or architecting perspective before you simply go ahead and just build a bridge or build a, a building. There, there are a couple of elements, there, there are a number of elements to growth, there are a number of types of growth. So the two things that we're going to focus on is growing revenue without a focus on growing your profitability, not profit, your profitability is a big, big error. Um, and there's a well-worn saying, Bruce, what do they say? Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. Yep. Something like that, yes. Yeah, something like that. So, so the difference over here is you want to grow your revenue by increasing the volume of revenue. In other words, the quantum of revenue. I was doing 5 million a year and I want to do 10 million a year or 20 million a year or 30 million a year. But I don't want to do that without first ensuring that as I grow my revenue, I can grow my profitability in the business. And the profitability essentially is the gap that exists between your revenue and your costs. So if you build the business in the manner that we are talking here, where you get these first three layers properly built and carefully built, the benefit is it gives you a very simple business to run and manage. It also puts your team in control of running and managing that business on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And what happens over time, if you grow your revenues, your revenues will grow disproportionately to the growth in your costs, which increases your profitability. So if you were doing a profit of 15% of your total revenue, you want to move towards doing a profit of 20% of total revenue, 25% of total revenue over time. And that is the most important aspect of growth, technical growth, because most of us simply turn around and say, I want to double the size of my business, and I'm going to do that by doubling my revenue. That that doesn't double the size of your business. If you don't improve your profitability, you simply, by doubling the size of your revenue, (laughs) doubling the amount of trouble you're going to face. Absolutely. No, it's great. 
absolutely. But it's critical to understand that, Pablo, because people think growth is good. I mean, growth is lovely. But if it's costing you a fortune to generate your growth and you are essentially just, you know, moving block for block, uh, you're not you're putting in a lot more effort and actually not getting the benefit of that effort. So, Bruce, you know what I've witnessed so, 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 so often is where a company gets to a certain size, let's call it in terms of its revenue, its growth. And then, you know, I, I cannot remember my physics teacher's name. Um, uh, I used to love physics at school. And we used to play with all sorts of things like thundergraph generators that create static electricity. And we, we played with all the, 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 the tools that gave physics life. And one of the things I really enjoyed playing with was a cathode ray oscilloscope. Do you remember that big box with the very, very small lens? Aperture, yes. You'd be able to see the shape of a wave. And the shape of the wave would go up and fall down into a trough and rise to its apex and it would form a very, very nice wave, a consistent wave. I'm in the laboratory as we speak. I'm feeling it. I can smell it. I can smell the cobra (laughs) polish on the desk. (laughs) There we go. That's called a sine wave. And often what I see in businesses, when I look at their numbers, a, a business starts, it burns money, of course, because none of us can raise money in order to start a business, so we have to self-fund it. It breaks even. That means the money you bring in measures and marries up to the money that you are spending to bring it in. You're not making profit at this point in time, but if you carry on growing your revenues, you start to then eventually make a profit, and the line rises, that graph rises as we see it. Then what happens with so many businesses, typically 13, 14, 15, 20 years in, they start to create that sine wave where the rise and the fall becomes more or less the norm, the day-to-day norm in a business. And when I sit with business owners who are 30 years in the game, and they're saying, you know, no, 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 we're not interested in growth. Why? Because last time we grew, it just created more trouble for us. And you look at the numbers and you see this rise and fall in revenues, but you don't see a nice increasing profitability, it's no wonder. So getting it right is really important. And there are three types of growth I'd like to briefly discuss tonight. The first one is after we've got those three layers in place and we have our organic growth rate running, which is your year to year, five, 10, 15% growth that happens largely without you. The first growth you need to then shift your leadership towards to focus on is accelerated growth. And that is, on the back of the business we've now built, well-positioned, where we're not trying to be everything to everyone, we have identified two or three groups of customers that we believe we can create a great experience for in doing what we do. We've got systems to ensure that it happens consistently. We've got a good team behind us to drive that. You now want to ramp up your marketing efforts into those groups. You want to start increasing your market share within those three groups of customers. And you want to do so because as you do, if you get that experience consistently delivered, which you will in this business model, word of mouth kicks in and brand familiarity kicks in. It becomes easier to increase your revenues over time than it ever would have been before. And yet at the same time, For so long as you maintain the three groups of customers, the promise you've made in terms of an experience, you maintain your systems and you enable your team to drive those systems, 
for so long as you keep that simple, you will start to get deeper and deeper penetration into your customer groups, and that will start translating across a lower cost base, widening that gap. It's the first form of growth you need to focus on. So not all growth is equal. Not all growth is good. Some growth can actually kill you. It is about managing the growth process. Yeah, very much so. Because once you've started to dominate very successfully in the three groups of customers that you chose to become expert at creating an experience for, the next thing, Bruce, is you need to start thinking about how to diversify the risk. You know, what happens if one of those customer segments collapses for whatever reason? So now you want to start looking for next level growth. The next level growth is where you move into a different industry, a different sector, but you find groups of customers there that have very similar problems and want a very similar experience to that which your business currently serves and delivers effectively on. Sean has sent, yeah, sorry, Paul, I thought, you, I thought you were done, but Sean has sent us a WhatsApp uh, this evening. I think he's changing tack just a little bit. It's a problem that many, many people are facing, my producers tell me. Um, I'm going to just play the WhatsApp very quickly and uh, see if we just get a quick response from you on this one. Sean, thanks for the hmm. WhatsApp. Other Bruce, Sean, a uh, question for Pablo. We're a startup and we're looking at hiring uh, young graduates I was just wondering, uh, how do you inculcate a culture when most people are working from home or remotely? Uh, it's a question we've, we've pondered uh, internally as a management team. Obviously, we have a culture that we've cultivated in the year or so that we've been together, and obviously a culture that we want to keep growing and cultivating. Just wondering how Pablo would answer a question like that. So am Thanks. I. So am I. Thank, thank you very much for that one, Sean. Uh, it's such a good question, I think, Pablo, because so many people are stuck in, it's uh, stucking, are stuck at home, um, and it ultimately will affect growth. If you don't have a good, strong culture, um, you're going to have people doing all kinds of weird and wonderful things all over the place and not pulling together as a team. I completely agree. You know, uh, across across the U.S. at the moment, in the professional services sector, Bruce, one of the biggest challenges that are being faced um, across big firms is they're saying, how do we achieve what Sean has exactly spoken to? Well, the simple fact that in the services industry especially, where we're not necessarily working with products, the way we engage with each other is part of how you build the service and deliver the service itself. Secondly, in order to transfer knowledge from senior members of our team to junior members of our team, it's vital that we have an in-person culture. And what I'm seeing is increasingly right across the board, more and more and more people are insisting that we build a brand through creating an in-person culture as opposed to a remote culture. And that then starts leading to a blend where you might have one day, possibly two days, for so long as you have delegated a system of activities and not instructions of activities to a junior member of your team where they work remotely, but for the rest of it, it's in-person culture building. It's essential to create social engagement, meaning and value in work that transcends and goes beyond just simply a salary and pay for play. Wonderful. Pablo Fatidis, thank you very much. He is the founder at Auric Business Accelerator.